Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, welcome to Marriage and Martinis. Adam was not able to be here today or for this episode, but I'm so excited for you to hear it. Tova Lee is a social media influencer, content creator, writer, performer, wife, and mother. Tova's shamelessly open and honest video rants, articles, and podcasts have resonated with a huge number of women around the world. She uses her platform to support and empower women by giving them a sense of belonging, as she doesn't hold back while sharing the raw truth of her uncensored topics that include motherhood, body issues, marriage, sexuality, relationships, not forgetting chocolate, wine, and of course, cake. Her book, Fucked at 40, is available wherever you get your books. When she asked to be on the podcast, I don't think she knew that I already followed her and I have been following her for a few years because I really love her openness and her honesty and I'm so drawn to that in women. We had an awesome talk. We did not hold back and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, I, for some reason, thought she was from Australia. She is actually from England and she grew up in Israel. She has a really interesting life and so much to share and I just can't wait for you to hear it. So enjoy Tova Lee. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, Tova. Hello. How, how are, are you? Good. How are you? I'm really good. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming all the way from Australia. Is that no, right? from England. <laughs> oh, you were from England. But are you from Australia? No. Were you in Australia ever? No, never actually. <laughs> oh, I thought that's where you were before you are on your tour or something. I love this. this no. Is so okay. No, no, no. I live in the UK, but I was born and raised in Israel, actually. Yes. Okay. So you were, bo- you were born in Israel. Mm-hmm. And then you wound up in the UK. I did. I at did. What age? At thirty. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I uh, I was coming out of a bad sort of marriage. Um, I was getting a divorce basically, and I decided to make a completely brand new start in life. Um, change career, change country. Oh my! <laughs> Eventually, change husband, but that <laughs> wasn't the plan originally. But I did meet my husband, who is still my husband till this day. When I moved to England, uh, so yeah. 30, moved to the UK. Okay, so why do you have an American accent? Because I watched a lot of American TV. No, is that really why? That is the real reason, yeah. I used to tell people that I went to an American school because it was easier for them to believe that story, but that's not the truth. The truth is I watched a lot of, uh, do you remember, uh, what was it called? Married with Children, Al Bundy? Of course. Yes, I was obsessed. So that's where I get my accent That's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. I know, it's weird. And you start out, I just read your book, which is fantastic, Fucked at 40. Oh, thank you. Um, And 
I okay, I'm 42. How old, right? How old are you? 44. Okay, 44. So I related so much. I, mean, I don't think you have to be in your 40s to mm-hmm. relate, but I related so much to what you were saying. As someone who is now in my 40s, sort of feeling like I hate to say the clock is ticking. I hate saying that because mm-hmm. we're in our 40s. Like we're not, you know. Thank goodness we're okay. I'm not dead yet. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, there's a sense of I got shit to do. Yeah. And I got to stop sitting around and, you know, like with the monotony, as you say, of the everyday life and just to get going. But we'll get into all that. I wanted to go back to when you were growing up in Israel. You talk a lot about your dad right? Um, when you were younger. And I talk a lot. My, my parents were actually just on our podcast. Wow. We did a two episode um, for their, their – they've been married for 55 years. Amazing. So we did two, two episodes and um, our, our listeners got to hear how my dad is very serious. He's like a very serious guy. Sounds sort of similar to what you were saying in your – book about your dad like my dad was always very like this is how you need to behave and this is um and it can definitely screw with you a little bit Mm -hmm. like from a young age saying okay this is what good behavior looks like this is what good girls quote unquote do and I think hearing that at such a young age all of a sudden you start to like feel the shame of ever deviating from that totally So what was that like growing up with him? Yeah. So I say this in the book. For me, my dad was really a cause of a lot of confusion in my life because on the one hand, he did encourage me to study and he, you know, he wanted me to become a lawyer and sort of really – you know, emphasize the the importance of women actually like having a career and not, you know, he would say, don't be stupid, like be no more than your husband, like don't. But then on the other hand, in, in a way, he was warning me about men, which actually messed me up a little bit because made me feel like I was going to be taken advantage of. And do you know what I mean? Like highlighted sort of something that maybe I wouldn't have been aware of at such a young age. Uh-huh. But on the top of that, we I grew up in Israel and the mentality of when I grew up of my surroundings, my family was very much uh, that men were sort of in charge. They controlled the money. My mom was a homemaker, which there's nothing wrong about it, but she wasn't very happy in that role. And um, she didn't, you know, she didn't have her own even her own money, which I know sounds ridiculous because it was their money, right? But it was very much his money. Uh, and that comes with a lot of freedom. So I grew up in with an idea at the back of my head that it really didn't matter how well I did or how what achievements I would have. I would never be enough because I was a girl. And that's not something that my my dad directly said to me, but it was something that somehow I understood and got. Whether it was by, for example, like you said, stuff I was, you know, you know, be a good girl, how I'm supposed to dress, what time I'm supposed to come home, what guys might think about me if I do this or that, stuff that he never said to my brother, you know. Um, and somehow in my mind, that meant that it really didn't matter what I would do. And that made me... Uh, very competitive, actually. And I was competing with my brother from a very young age. He had no idea, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally competing with myself. He's older or younger? No, he's younger. He's Uh two years younger. And we're super close, by the way. Like, we're really good friends. I love my brother. He's great. Is he still in Israel? 
He's still in Israel. Uh, but, you know, I always had to do more than him. Do you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Like he went to business school. I did law and business. You know, like he did the army. I had to be an officer. Like it was like I was constantly proving that I was just as smart as my brother or even better, you know, just to, you know, make up for the fact that I didn't have a penis and nothing was Mm -hmm. enough, you know. And again, my dad didn't ever say that to me in words, you know, Uh, but that kind of like seeing him as a husband, right, and having those messages and I don't know, just the, the, the seed was there, you know, and it grew. Yeah. And was your mom very – was she of the same like you need to go to law school, you need to be a lawyer or was she – No, no, she wasn't. Um, well, my mom comes from Ireland and she came to Israel when she was really, really young. She came when she was 17 uh, and she was all by herself you know, in Israel. She didn't know anybody and she didn't speak the language. So you know, her, her life story is very interesting and that's her life story. Mm-hmm. For me, like what I took away from it – is that she wasn't in a good relationship for many, many years. And as a child, I was very much aware of that, uh, actually from a very young age. So I have vivid memories of trying to convince my mom to get a divorce because I I, I knew that she was very, very unhappy. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And um, – and I, I, I have friends now who are going through separation actually from their husbands and from partners and have children. And there's such a big dilemma in ending a relationship that's a long-term relationship, especially when you have kids. And I always say, well, as a child of parents who should have had a divorce years ago, they did divorce, by the way, eventually. Oh, wow. Okay. 25 years uh-huh. like yeah, later they divorced. I always say like, oh, it would have been so much better if they had actually separated when we were kids because then maybe – you know, they would have had like a second chance. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? To find what they needed to find, you know? So neither of them, have they remarried or anything? No, no, no. And they're in really good terms now. You uh-huh. know, it's funny. They, they're they good friends now. So it's <laughs> sort of like that worked out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I, we have a friend who has um, a podcast that's called Good Girls Talk About Sex. And it's right. the whole um, idea behind it is that we are. We're brought up saying that we have to be good yeah. and, you know, and then it's, it, it even starts to screw with you like sexually as you're getting older and everything and, and you're realizing like, well, I got to settle down and I have to have kids. And and I always say what, what resonated so much for me with you with your book is that I always say because I got married at 24. Wow. So I and my husband was really my first real like boyfriend. Right. And he but he had lots of girlfriends before me. So he had all this time to experience and everything and I always say like I missed that whole time of my life like that experimentation time and a lot of it was because I was on this track right like I was just I had this trajectory that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom and I was going to get married and I was going to have three kids and and I completely bypassed this super awesome free like loving time of life just to, you know, in order to get on that path. And it sounds a little bit like you kind of did the same in the fact that, you know, you sort of, like me, in your 40s were like, oh, crap, wait a minute, I didn't do any of this other stuff. So maybe, I don't mean maybe it was sexually, maybe it wasn't, but it was definitely the same kind of, all right, wait a minute, I got to, I got to, like, pause and think about what my next step is going to be. Right. I think that there's a, there's a lot of things. First of all, there was the distance. So 
uh, initially when I, I moved to, so I grew up in Jerusalem, right? And when, and Jerusalem's very little and everybody knows your business a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So when I got to that point where you start going out and you start drinking and meeting boys, I remember an incident. I don't even think that's in the book, by the way. I'm not, oh, maybe it is. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I was in a club and I must have tripped over or something and somebody helped me up and they said something to me. My dad is a businessman and people knew him in Jerusalem. So they knew me and he, he said, oh, my God, if your father saw you now, he would be, like, so disappointed. Oh, my God. Yeah. That kind of, like – and I thought to myself, but why my father? Like, that was so – do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so – Yeah. Uh, but that made me decide in that – literally the next day, I am moving out of Jerusalem. Like, I mm-hmm. need to get away from this small city and people know your business and want you to be, again, to live up to whatever they wanted you to be. Um Moved to Tel Aviv. And then 10 years later, that wasn't far enough. So I moved to London, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. So that's one thing. But the other thing is totally age related. Um, so not so much the feeling that I missed out, even though I did spend most of my twenties in a relationship. So I was married before Mike, um, only for two years, but I was in a relationship for 10 years. So my majority of my twenties, I was in a long-term relationship, some of it married. Um, I didn't feel like necessarily like I missed out out. Uh, for me, it was an age thing. You know, I reached my 40s. I had a bit of a health scare, which ended up being totally okay. I was, you know, I was fine, but a little kind of lump, you know, on a, on my left breast. Kinda. Yeah, and a lot of waiting. Yeah, and a lot of waiting. Yeah, yeah. right. That that yeah. was the hardest part. It was like six months you yeah. had to wait, right? That was a choice, though. They did uh, say that if I wanted to get like, uh, you know, proper answers immediately, I could, and I could have done a, um, a biopsy, but I felt like I was okay enough to wait those few months because I didn't want more invasive. So I'm not big on that. Mm-hmm. So I, it was a choice. I could have done it another way. But there was a six months wait till I got the all clear. And that phone call, though, that moment where they said, you know, we found something, it was like, a, like people say, you yeah. see everything in front mm-hmm. of your eyes, it goes so fast. And you have like these a million conclusions. And one of them was this kind of, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, my life is now, what am I waiting for? You know, like, I got to you know, grab life, you know, and just live it, you know, and really live it and all these things. And then it started like a process, but all these things that I kept uh, saying to myself, you know, that I couldn't do or didn't or shouldn't do or whatever for all the reasons that we say to ourselves, I kind of, you know, realized that they weren't real. They were just made up, you know? And I used to think, by the way, that it's society that makes us, um, that limits us. And I think it's a, it's, it's the thing that people say now. Oh, it's society. It's society. Like everybody's blaming society, you know? And I blame society a lot as well. But actually what I discovered in the process was that a lot of the time it wasn't even society. It was literally me. Mm-hmm. It was me. Saying to myself. You mean holding yourself back. Holding myself back, you know? Because, yes, society or whoever, your neighbors, you know, whatever, your parents, your kids might have something to say about it, but that doesn't take away your freedom to do it. Right. So really the only person that's standing between you and doing anything is you, unless you're doing something illegal, in which case don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know? But as long as you're doing something that's not harming anyone and it's not illegal, then nobody really is stopping you, you know? Yeah, and once I always say, what, like, what, once one person does it, then everybody else comes forward and says, you know, oh, okay, yeah. maybe it's not so bad. I'm going to do it too, which is why a book like this or a podcast or anything is so important. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out the timeline a little bit because okay, so you you got you you got married the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, what what we haven't got to is the fact that you're like a really big deal. I don't want to say blogger anymore because I don't know. Are we like not supposed to use the word blogger anymore? No, we're not. She she's shaking her head. We're not. Okay, but well, you're a personality, really. Like you're you know you you do videos and um, you're on tour and you're writing and yeah, but you're 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 like a, a presence and a personality and um and you I mean you have videos that have had 80 million views. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge deal. And um, I love the story of how that all started because you were kind of on your quote unquote, like your dad's path. His, yeah. You know, you were sort of living what what he wanted for you. Um, so can you sort of just tell us where that first marriage fit in, where the second marriage, you know, just yeah. kind of give us the backstory of so, all of that. <laughs> the first marriage was the perfect marriage on paper. <laughs> you know, like it really was. And and by the way, this is- Dad was really happy. Dad was so Super happy. happy. Okay. Wow. Uh-huh. Like that was a, a very happy day. And you got um, married in Israel? I got married in Israel. Big wedding. 650 people. Stop it. I swear. Of which maybe I knew maybe 40 of them. <laughs> it's like a oh lot of- But this gosh. is normal for Israel. Okay. We're planning size. a bar mitzvah right now, and my husband's like, "You can't go over 150 people." No, but- now I'm going to be like, "Well, Tova's wedding was 600." Okay, <laughs> I am so frugal. No, but this is the norm in Israel. Okay, this is like the norm. Like a small is it safari? Yeah, okay. 300 is small. Like mm-hmm. it's considered small. 100 is like what? Do you not have friends? That's, oh my god, that's just the way it is in Israel. Where do you? Are you all outside? Like, are you swimming? What are you doing? <laughs> what place is big enough to hold 600 people? Exactly. A lot of people People do their weddings on beaches, actually. It's That's really nice. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't do like a whole day wedding either. It's like usually just a few hours in the evening. So it's a smaller event, like in ter- terms of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, yeah, we had the perfect wedding in many ways. You know, it was really an amazing day. And uh, I, this, by the way, this is nothing bad about him. Our relationship ended because we were really wrong for each other. And How I think old were you when you got married? I, well, we, I got married at 28, but I met him in law school. So first year of law school, I met him. Um, married at 28, we were divorced at 30. Like I was with, I, we were married for two years, but actually separated for a year within those two years. Is so there a really... statute of limitations on getting gifts back? <laughs> Where people are like, I, know, like, I want it. Can I get I that back? Oh, God. Can you imagine? God. Yeah. Um, and my family were really surprised, actually, when I came out and said, we're, I'm not happy. Like, I'm not happy, actually. They were in shock because I was hiding it. Nobody knew. You know, like I was pretending, uh, you know, to be okay, that everything was great. Do you know what I mean? And I was really good at pretending, you know, I was really, really good mm-hmm. at that. So uh, people thought everything was fine. When I finally came out and said it, they were in shock. And I didn't actually reveal so much in the book about the reasons because I think that is his story and it's a lot of – it's private for him. So I didn't want to do that. But when I told people like what was, you know, what was going on – I was worried that people would go, why, why did you marry him then? Like you knew this or why did you not say something sooner? You know, that, that, that kind of like. Sometimes we have to make that mistake. Yeah, you have to. Mm -hmm. You do. Somebody said that to me because we were in such an intense relationship. It was a really big love. And I did still love him when we ended it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the hardest thing to end, by the way. A relationship with someone you know is wrong for you, but you still completely love them. It's devastating. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, but there were no kids or anything. No kids. Right. So that I which mean, made that, it easier. Right. For but sure. still so hard. So yeah. hard. Yeah. So moving to London was, uh, again, you know, uh, uh, um, a way for me to run away from that. All our friends were mutual. So it was a good kind of like, let's just get out of Israel put some distance between us and heal. And I cried for a good year, you know, first year in London, like every single night to get over that relationship. Um, and so going back to my dad, me saying to him, right, not only am I divorcing the perfect husband, but I'm moving. I'm also leaving law to go become an actress. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to be doing it in England. So you can imagine the size of that bomb. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was like... Phew, phew, phew. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he, he fought it a little bit. Um, to be fair on him, he did come around and he, you know, we had, again, it's described in the book. We had that moment and that embrace and he did say, I'm with you. You know, I don't think he truly till this day understands what happened? You know, how did it go so wrong? But today now, like with the book coming out and he sees that I'm happy. So I hope that he, he looks back and, and goes, you're successful. This was, it might be a different know, kind of success, but it's it's you're still a success. Yeah. And different people measure success though in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Do you right. know Maybe what I mean? It wasn't his. Yeah, yes, exactly. His idea of success. I yeah, exactly. Right. You know. So I feel like I'm successful. You should have brought him on tour, but with yeah, would have been know. like, okay, you're successful. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, because listen, also it's so not his world. He's a businessman. Yeah, you know. There's, he understands real estate. He understands business. He understands, you know, law. Uh, internet is like, a different generation. You do what? Mm -hmm. There's videos. Who? You know, it's like a really podcast. He just, it's just not his world. You know, it's hard to explain it. Um, but yeah, eventually came to London and, and met Mike. Uh, and again, on paper, Mike wasn't the perfect husband because he was in his 40s, never been married. So the first thing was like, oh, what's wrong with him? Like, so you're 30. Yeah, I'm in, I'm 30. And he's already he was no, I was 30. Yeah, he was. Wait, so I was 30. No, when I met Mike, I was 31. And he had just turned 40. So he was still single, like had never been married. And he and he's an agent. An entertainment agent. So again, my dad was a bit like, he's an agent? Uh-huh. What does that mean, you know? Um, but he ended up being, you know. The one. The best thing that's ever happened Aww. to me. Really. And yeah. I didn't even know. By the way, I honestly didn't know at the time that. that. Like, I didn't know it, you know. Um He's the complete opposite of everything and everyone I ever I was ever dating beforehand. Like I don't know if you've ever had the that type of thing, but you know the sort of like being drawn to the artistic, tortured type of men who need you to save them and uh-huh. you know and the mother bad them boy and yeah and mm-hmm. all that. So he's like the opposite of that, you know. Self-sufficient, right? Man, grown up, responsible. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, shows up. You know, 
<laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, so what's my role here? Right. I'm not quite sure. Um, so that was, that was interesting, you mm-hmm. know, getting used to that. Yeah. And then you, um, you're working and you, or, or were you working? We one day decide that you're at home and Mike and your kids are home and you're like getting ready for the holiday or yeah. something. And all of a sudden, um, you're, I, I know this feeling well. You're feeling like you are just, you're done. You've had it. Your kids are around. You're, you know, you can't get a moment to yourself. You ask him to take them out. He leaves. You write something you push share like on the computer and next thing you know there's 3000 shares or yeah. whatever and yeah. you're and you're shocked and all of a sudden was it like light bulb i might have something here so it, i mean again when i came to england it was i i was trying to pursue an acting career uh which after i finished acting i did for a couple of years but then we had three children you know in the space of 2 years so that was the end of that career you know mm-hmm. uh, cuz it was just not a lifetime a lifestyle i could you know i i just couldn't i couldn't we couldn't you know do it uh so i gave that up and i was a stay at home mom for a couple of years and then i worked in like an office for a while i had like a you know a part time job um and in that i was buried under diapers and very young kids and just really struggling because motherhood didn't come naturally to me um you know i talk about it really openly now but back then it was such a cause of shame and guilt and uh i felt really lonely because i really didn't think other women felt like that i was I, it postpartum or it was just sort of a not not just feeling like maybe this wasn't the natural I role think for that you. with my first, there was a part of that. There was a bit of a post postpartum, but I didn't know it at the time. Like I would stay up with her, not sleep. I was worried she would die. I was, you know, I was a, I was a mess, but I didn't know it at the time. And then with the twins, it was a very traumatic uh, birth because I had preeclampsia and I was in hospital mm. for two months before they were born. Uh, so that was like, oh, you know, it was all of that. Um but they were a little bit older, actually, when the blog started. I just never – I don't know. I It just didn't come natural to me. Everything was hard. And and uh, I don't know. I didn't say it. I just didn't say it. And I bottled it up and it was like, oh, that, that day when it happened, it was Boxing Day, which is the 26th of – do you guys have Boxing Day here? It's like, okay, so 26th of December. The day before when you wrap presents for Christmas. <laughs> oh, no, no. So it's the day after. So it's the day after Christmas okay. in England. It's called Boxing Day. And uh, we had some guests coming over. And uh, that was the day where I just felt like I'm about to explode. Like if they don't go away right now, all of them, for five minutes, I am i don't know what's going to happen. Like I was about to explode. So he took them out and I – oh, I've always liked writing. I just Googled real quick, how do you start a blog? And I had no name for it. So I called it My Thoughts About Stuff, which is the shittiest name you can ever have. I know. It worked. <laughs> it was just so general, which in retrospect was good because it yeah. allowed me to talk about whatever it's I no wanted. no worse than marriage and martinis. <laughs> no, your name is great. I love your name. I'm it's like, good. I don't know, marriage and martinis? I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and I wrote my first ever article, which was titled um, – I love my kids, but sometimes I wish they would just fuck off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was really how I felt. When you, know? you pressed send on that, were you like, I am about to get so much backlash or you didn't even care? You know that at that point, I really didn't care. Right. 
you know. Mm-hmm. I but that. I never, ever, not in a million years expected what happened after mm-hmm. that. Like I didn't, you know. And this is like what, 2015? So that was, yeah, 2015. So, yeah, and that's pretty, that's still pretty, it doesn't seem it, that was, but that was still pretty early on in like you know, the quote unquote yeah. blogging, you know, uh, platform like you were kind that you that was pretty early Mm. right because i feel like there was a surge maybe after that 2016 2000 but you kind of got in earlier a little bit i think so maybe i don't know what i noticed was i started so i started this blog and i started just writing articles every week and then i came across vlogging so i saw other um you know creators other facebook pages other people sort of ranting and I never knew what a rant video was like I wasn't really on Facebook a lot at all at the time as a person you know just like as a user and I thought oh well maybe I could do that because I've studied acting and I know how to work a camera and in the years of acting I also learned how to edit and I learned how to you know make little films because I made some short films so I thought I'll give it a go and videos go so much further than you know written posts Mm because people like watching rather than no one likes to read (laughs) exactly nobody (laughs) likes to read and they just want it in front of them (laughs) and that's when I started also kind of using comedy Mm -hmm. because I suddenly realized that you know I think people engage more and they find it easier to kind of like when you have a, a bit of a humorous like twist on things and you're you know what I mean? And especially when you laugh at yourself, because I was never laugh- making fun of anybody else. I I was making fun of me. Like the day the kid peed on me, I wanted to die. But now that I'm telling the story, I can laugh at it. Do you know what I mean? Like just a little bit. Um, and then the video started. That's when the page really started growing was when the video started going viral. And um, and I honestly didn't plan for any of it. But I'm not going to lie. Once I did realize that there was something there, it 100% became work. It's a lot of work. And I put a lot of effort into it. And like it every shows. single day. It yeah. Shows. yeah. So like it's not me here saying, oh, it just happened. It didn't just happen. But I stumbled upon it mm-hmm. to begin with by coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the best way to do yeah. it because you realize <laughs> you were you were meant to do it. Yeah. And it's – no, and it's great because it really did allow me to have that creative outlet at the same time to actually do something that I really am passionate about because when I did the legal thing, the legal stuff, which was so not me, but the thing about it that I did like was that idea of trying to help people and also especially I was doing, uh, how do you say, employment uh, law and a lot of women's rights and that was brilliant because I, my audience is mainly women and the topics that I talk about are mainly like women led and it was great because I was sort of like able to combine the two, but without that sort of stiffness from the legal world, because that was what I struggled with. Everything was so serious and so stiff, you know, and I, it just, it's not me. Yeah, you, know? you wanted to have fun. Yeah. I get that yeah. too, totally. <laughs> and your husband is such a good sport with it all because mm-hmm. he is so involved. Yeah. And you guys really do. You do a lot of um, like sort of spoof videos on parenting and everything. Like it's it's very relatable and it definitely does. I'm sure it makes so many people feel less alone. And I love that your husband is part of it too because there are a lot of, I think, guys out there who are fathers out there who are still pretty serious and maybe not as emotionally available and everything. And this sort of lets them see that it's okay to laugh at it all. And so what's that like, the two of you working together? First of all, it's funny because Mike, on the one hand, is British and super reserved. And he comes across like this really polite, you know, Brit. And he loves playing that role. (laughs) 
know, but really, he's listen. He's a he's an entertainment agent. His yeah. best friends are comedians, right. presenters, larger than life. So he was life. into it from the beginning. He knows this business inside out, and he loves it. And sometimes I say to him, "Oh my god, am I crazy?" And he's like, "Tova, you're so not so crazy," because he knows people who are really out there and have had like these really flamboyant careers and all that. So it is his world. It's he's not a stranger to it at all. Uh, I like actually people seeing other things I think that are maybe now becoming more uh, common but listen me and Mike and it wasn't like this the whole time me and Mike now have a real 50-50 partnership Mm -hmm. like we both work from home and we I realize we're very fortunate to be able to do that but we both work from home so our involvement for example in house matters slash kids is literally equal sometimes it falls on him even more wow yes and I love opening that up to social media because I think like it's good to see that you mm-hmm. know what I mean that is so not common uh, yeah I know and so I realize that we're in a position that's very fortunate to be able to allow that and I want to make it clear that it wasn't always like that mm-hmm. okay so like we've 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 worked on it and it's here now we're here now but that's a part of our lives that I really like sharing not in a in your face type of way but just to open up so people because I think it's it's good to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's relationship goals it's for sure. It. Yeah, it's important to see that it's possible because it's possible. I think there are a lot of couples who are like, I don't know if it's ever going to happen for us. Yeah. Um, so that's great. And then you um, decide the next step, which is I this I've been not too boring, but a little bit too tame and too like docile, and and I want to take things to the next level. I'm in my forties now. I want adventure. Mm-hmm. And I think you thought that on a few different levels, right? Yeah. You thought that sort of as as far as adventure goes and trying new things and also with your sexuality and, and you know, as a, a woman who wants to feel desired. Yeah. How did that all come about? So, I mean, sexuality was – is really – has and is still on my mind. I kind of – Suddenly reached the. I suddenly real. Oh, there was so many layers to this. Okay, but I realized how I had never really, I had never really acknowledged my sexuality, disattached from. Is that a word from men? Does that make sense? Meaning like thinking that you could be somewhere else on the spectrum. That I'm just like a sexual being and I have my sexuality that Uh is not necessarily connected to a partner. Uh That is just mine. And I think that as a young – like as a a girl when I started – when I, you know, became sexually active, a lot of it was for the pleasure of – the guy in the relationship. I never really explored my own sexuality and my own sense of pleasure and all of that. And I don't know if that's uh, just, again, like how the the mentality or like the culture we live in or, you know, but it, it, it was just how I felt. So when my 40s arrived, and this is after a few good years, you know, having kids, young kids, my sexuality was gone. Like it was just not there. You well, know? I don't know about in Israel, but here no one ever talks about self-pleasure in schools. Yeah. Nobody oh, ever exactly. talks about like any totally. of that. No one's no. – so yeah. Yeah. And and it's weird because I talk about like talking to kids about sex and that's – you're so right. Mm-hmm. We we say so much but then we kind of miss out. When I was talked – when people – when my parents or whoever talked to me about sex, all they talked about was what I needed to be careful of. Oh, sure. The shame base. Yeah. Sex was presented yeah. as a really dangerous thing and also as a gift I would give somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? It had nothing to do with me. I was just there as a vessel. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, and I think a lot of women then that gives them that's the sense of their sexuality, of our sexuality is that it is there for somebody else, you know. And and uh, when I reached my forties, I like I said, coming out of those few years of just not having it at all, something happened to me, and I think it happens to a lot of women around that age, and I think it has to do a lot with hormones uh, because again, looking back, I realized that from the age of 17, perhaps I have been shoving hormones down my throat with the pill. And then when I was trying to get pregnant, we did IUI. So I was on hormones, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then when you have babies, you're hormonal and all that. And I think like suddenly after I suddenly was sort of like clean. Do you know what I mean? Like, and there was an awakening in me, something really took over me. So it was totally physical. Like I woke up one morning horny, Mm -hmm. basically, you know, and, uh, it made me start questioning, like going, oh, hang on a minute, you know, and self-pleasure has become like a, a, a thing, you know. And a lot of people ask me why I keep talking about it because I do talk about it a lot. Yeah, we in, talk about it a lot yeah, on the podcast. In the too. book yeah. and I talk about it also in my show and then people will go, why do you have to t- talk about masturbation? Why do you have to talk about vibrators? But the thing is, it's not about the masturbation. And it's not about the vibrators. It's really, and I think like, because, you know, guys don't go along talking all day about, you know, jerking off or whatever. But I think women are doing it now more because of what I said to begin with, because it's taking that ownership back to say, actually, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with me. And that's why I want to talk about it. And one day, I don't think we will talk about it that much because we won't need to, because we will have that sense of just owning it and not, you know, not having it connected to anything. And that's the reason I talk about it. And when I started talking about it, I was so shocked by how many women were so happy I was talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even realize it was a thing. And that opened my eyes as well. So apart from the hormonal changes, it was the reaction I was getting from people, you know. And, And yeah, and it was a combination of Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market things really so did you make like a bucket list yeah you sort of like yeah. totally i made a bucket list like a like a regular bucket list and a sexual bucket list yeah or? i mean it wasn't a sexual bucket list necessarily but there were things there that were my mission was to try and regain like the sexuality and a lot of them had to do with body by the way but not so much in like the sense of body because i want to look a certain way it was how i wanted to feel so for example i took up pole dancing and the point of the pole dancing uh was to move because it all starts but with moving, you know. I was so stiff, like I couldn't move, you know. Like, I was, like this whole area just shut down, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it was about standing, you know, in a room like with these little thongs eventually. By the way, I started off with like really, you know, big tops and all that, really embarrassed. But eventually I realized that it really wasn't about – so much what I looked like, it was about being able to do those body rolls and hump the floor. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. And there were no men in the room. It wasn't for anybody else. It was literally right. for me. I felt fierce, you know, like with those heels and I loved it, you know. So that was one thing. 
The other thing had to do with nudity and just kind of like uh, being comfortable more in the nude for me. Because when you're not comfortable when you're nude, that affects your intimacy. It'll affect your sex life. It affects your mental health. It affects everything, right? And I realized that I had a real issue with my own nudity because my body had gone through so many changes after, you know, having kids because I had two C-sections. Uh, so my body really changed. Um so I I went to a nude spa <laughs> and it was a mixed nude spa and I spent a whole day there completely naked walking around. Wait, a mixed nude spa mean men and women? Yeah, men oh and women. Gosh. Yeah, in Brighton. I went with a friend, Ava, and she's like from uh, Finland. So for her, it's like, right, what's the big deal? I don't right. understand. So I went with her. And you walk into the spa and there's like a changing room and it, it, there's no cubicles. Like you're just like, okay, strip. And everybody's just like stripping there. <laughs> That's not in the, it's not in the book? Yeah. The nude spa's in oh the book actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was that the, you did a nude photo shoot too, right? That was after. Okay. Yeah, I did that after. Uh -huh. But the nude spa was amazing. And honestly, I would recommend it to anybody. It's not sexual, by the way. The thing is nude is not, being nude and nudity is not necessarily sexual. You know, we yeah. sexualize. I feel like I know. would be more comfortable yeah. nude than in a bikini yeah it's brilliant right? like Honestly. I feel like I feel I don't want to say I feel silly putting a bikini on because by all means go do it please if yeah. you feel like you can uh, amen but <laughs> I sort of feel like I don't know there's something about walking around nude that I would you know that would make I would be more comfortable than if I had to like put around put on a bikini and walk around I don't know why yeah no I get it and what was interesting for me was that I took away from that experience something and on top of what I hoped I would get, I got something that I had never expected. I realized that how liberating it was, what was liberating about it was how I realized how much masks we put on. We have so many masks, right? Like everything from the filters we use, the makeup, you know, our, and our clothes are a massive, massive protection shield that we have. And even a tiny little bikini is still a little bit of a shield. And when you don't have that, like when you're walking around butt naked, you are so vulnerable mm -hmm. and you really see people, you see the human that is in front of you, there is nothing. And what's so interesting is that there's no judgment. Because usually what we judge is the exterior. Oh, what top is she wearing? Oh, what's that? You know, it's, it's that. And when you see people so vulnerable like that, you don't judge them anymore. I walked away from that day like I was, whoa. It was just mind-blowing. And that was something I never expected to experience, you know? Ava, who grew up in Finland, who sees naked people all the time, like she didn't have that experience because for her it was like normal, you know? But I walked back home on the underground like in London and I just felt like I was on the like in the Matrix, you know? Mm. Like why are we so distant from each other? I just wanted to hug everybody, you know? And that was just – from being nude. <laughs> right. Day. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great experience. And the fo the photo shoot was after that. That uh -huh. was like And by then you were like celebration. Nothing. Celebration. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Would you ever do hedonism? Do you know what hedonism is? No, what is? is it? Tell me. Like the it's a nude resort. I think it's in is it in Jamaica, I think? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a new but you're literally like the, I think there's two sides to it. Okay. I researched it. I, I mean, I say I want to go, but yeah. I'll let you know if it happens. <laughs> go, go. First, I have to go to a nude spa. <laughs> uh, but it has two sides. I think one is like people are like lightly clothed and the right. other side is like no clothes allowed whatsoever. And it's just a resort. It's a resort. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's like a nice resort. Nice. I mean, it's – yeah, but people go. I mean, they go as 
you know, you can go as singles, you can go as couples. I guess you could swing. I would totally do. do. I would totally do that. And actually, I've just heard that there's also I would like, wait till the coronavirus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is yeah. Gone. For sure. There's a new. There are new cruises. <laughs> Did you know? That? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. They're so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's insane. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I always say, I'm like, I, you know, that that's on my sort of well, bucket you know, list. It's taking pack lightly to a different level. Right. You know? Right. That that how not stressed out would you be before exactly. going away amazing oh my god you'd have nothing to check nothing. on the plane <laughs> super oh, except your sex toys that would be it awesome i love it um was any of these things because we talk a lot on the podcast about like our you know our sexual um i always say like one day when adam dies <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I prefer not to wait that long. But, you know, there are certainly things that, like like I said, I didn't have that experimentation period right. that – but were, are there things that you and Mike have sort of talked about or even doing together that, um, you know, that you were sort of like maybe we want to consider this stuff that we never considered before? I mean, to be honest, like we haven't done anything super exciting. I'm afraid uh-huh. it's very disappointing. But um, – It's sort of like why are you leaving me out? I want to be more <laughs> no, a part of all it's this. funny because he was – I was always like up for – Hey, you want to come to a nude spa with me? Or hey, I'm doing this. You want to do it with me? And he, he he didn't feel like he wanted to, and that's okay because luckily I have people that are were happy to do it with me. Um, I think when I came back from the spa and I told him about the experience, you know, and how liberating it was, and he he said, "Oh, you know, sounds really good, actually. Like I wouldn't rule it out. So maybe if I asked him now, he would go." But it wasn't like an experience that I felt like I needed to do with him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, again, it wasn't about our relationship. But when it came to, like, uh, sexual fantasies, I did, like, ask him. I found out that there were, like, these themed hotels, which sounded like yes. lots of fun, right? You know about those. Right? Yes. Like, these themed hotels, and you go, and you play a role. And yeah, there's listen. one that's, like, a queen, a queen yeah. like a boudoir. Yeah, like a it's, like, yeah. different. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mike's very funny. He gives me these really funny answers, you know. He was like, well, I don't know if I want to go and check into a dungeon. He was like, you know, people right. he... he he makes he, he laughs about these things. We haven't done any of those things, but right. maybe who knows? Okay, maybe. so that but that wasn't part of it. You weren't feeling no. like the two of you need to bring no. needed to bring it to the no. next. No, and level. actually, I brought like a lot of the stuff, the fantasies home because again, I think it's about enjoying yourself. You know, mm-hmm. so I didn't really need to wait for him to go to uh, a dungeon. You know, <laughs> right. somewhere. You know, I went and got like what I felt would look sexy for me and not for him. Like what made me feel awesome and I you know I, I did the whole waiting at home for him like in my <laughs> with my boots of course he had to put his glasses on when he walked <laughs> turn on the light <laughs> what are you doing you know but it doesn't matter because I was in my own fantasy right and I was not gonna let right. him ruin it for me so yeah I just heard matter. I just heard Oprah tell this really <laughs> funny story about how when she um I guess she and Stedman had been together for like 10 years and she went to this like woman's freedom and liberation thing and you know they talked about how you need to seduce your husband or whatever and she came home in like this black negligee and he walked in and he's like what are you doing like <laughs> no way you know so it's like you know at a certain point you feel silly but you want to try and do those things yeah, and- I said to Mike like very early on when I was in those moods I was like he would 
start speaking. I already got, don't speak. Right. <laughs> just, just don't do say not anything. speak. Don't ruin the mood. Don't ruin it because <laughs> I'm somewhere else right now. Right. I think for women, a lot of the times our sexuality or sexual uh-huh. fantasies are so much in our heads. You know, women think a lot during sex. I don't think guys think as much. Like I've asked Mike, like, what do you think about it, sex? Like, do you have like fantasies? Like, are they elaborated? And he's like, no. Like, and I'm like, oh God, I'm like on a beach somewhere. I'm like, you know, I'm like not even talking English right now. Like, you know, there's like a, there's right. an elaborated script going on in my head, right. you know? I think for a lot Too of- Too many romantic yeah, movies. Totally. Yeah. But I was like, so at that point I was like, you need to just not speak right now. Don't mm-hmm. ruin this stuff. You know, it's joking, but- it's good that we can make fun of it, you know? No, definitely. Yeah. And it is important. And I think that it's important to have those those things still on your list that you have almost lingering there like, oh, yeah, I need to get to that level. And and we also, you know, when we turned 40 and we started the podcast, we all of a sudden had a new freedom because we were saying things we never said before. Mm. We were revealing things about ourselves. It was sort of like we were walking around our town and we were sort of like – uh, I don't care what you say to me because I'm the one who told the story. And so therefore, you know, when you put your own story out there, it's a very powerful thing because mm. nobody can say anything. Yes. You already did it. You already told it all. Totally. And, um, you know, and so we sort of had this new freedom of, oh, well, let's just do whatever. And we're talking about things on the podcast that, you know, who cares? Because it's our story and exactly. it's our life. Um all right, so you also did bungee jumping. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, like, you walked the walk. You, like, the bungee jumping, am I missing anything else? So my biggest, well, I the one woman show I'm writing a book, and I've just now done that, but the Nepal was, I think, the biggest thing on the bucket list okay. was going back to Nepal because I had done that 20 years ago with my ex, but we never finished the Everest Base Camp track. And it's always oh my been my God. dream to go back to Nepal. And I was like, when am I ever going to do that now? Like, that's ridiculous. Um, but my brother, funny enough, came back from Thailand and he was like going through his own kind of midlife crisis. And it was like, I don't know how the stars just aligned right, you know? And we did it. We went back. I went for a nearly three weeks, which is like the longest that I have ever been away from home without my husband or my children. It was very difficult to get to the point to actually go. I kept wanting to cancel, you know, and all that. Um, but it was an ama- amazing experience. And it was an Everest trek? So we did the Everest ba- Base Camp trek, which takes you to Everest Base Camp, which really is where professional climbers start climbing okay. from, but it's pretty high. Yeah. And it's like a 14 or 13 day trek. Um, and we did not finish it. We sort of stopped two days before we reached uh, the where we were supposed to go. But again, quite like the spa experience, the goal started out to by being we want to get to this point, but very quickly it changed and it was about having that experience with my brother. And boy, mm. how amazing was That's that? That's really cool. You know, like we just reverted back to being me and him. We shared a room when we were little. We used to play together and like suddenly it was like we were just kids again laughing and just – I. Honestly, I think about it till this day. I get emotional because it was one of the best things that I've ever done in my life, just being with him for that long. 
one-on-one and having that experience with him. I'm going to cherish it forever, you know? So it became very much about that. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it was amazing. So do you feel like like every woman out there needs to be making a bucket list right now for real? I don't know. But for me, it really worked. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And I think bucket lists as well, they never end. They change throughout your life. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of like have to keep on making them, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Um, okay, so what else is still on yours? I don't know. We'll see. Well, I, I want a Netflix uh, special. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my list right now. Okay. Netflix. Yeah. You know someone? <laughs> right? <laughs> write it down. Um, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I never thought I would get to write a book, you know? Yeah. Never thought that would be possible. Never thought I'd perform in New York City, you know? Mm, so I know. So cool. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm really, really grateful. That um, is awesome. Have you gotten any tattoos since this all started? No. Okay. No. <laughs> That was never on my bucket list. Okay. All right. Never I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, okay. Would you swim with sharks? Wow. No. Okay. Would you? I say yes. But like in a cage? In a cage. Oh, in a cage. Adam says no. My husband says no. I say yes. Not because I'm scared though. Like I don't know if that's uh, that's uh, appealing like, to Yeah. Me. Like you yeah. – yeah. You yeah. just don't think it would be worth it. Okay. What give about, me another one. What about ayahuasca? Well, no. Maybe. Actually. Do you know what that is? No. You, is that okay the... in Peru? Where you oh, go yes. into Peru into the Chelsea Handler had like a whole um, one of her uh, segments was on it where you go and it's a drug, but it's supposed to be oh, like it's yeah. a drug that really like it supposedly gives you like crazy vivid memories back to your childhood where you no. actually feel like you're there. So no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like who wants that? No. Back in middle school, you see, I don't like stuff that messes with my head, though. Okay, you know? so I'm like, I don't no take drugs. You like, I don't. Try. I think five hours before I take an Advil. Like, I don't like oh. the idea. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's not my thing. All right, yeah. so no drugs. No that's drugs. off of the. Uh, oh, would you walk on the wings of an airplane? No. <laughs> <laughs> like basically not doing anything. <laughs> no. Would you? Walk on the wings of an airplane? What? But while while flying? So yeah, they have these small no, planes. You can do it. You crazy. can do it. And they, they harness you in. I've jumped off I've jumped out of a plane. Oh, like you I did, did skydiving. skydiving yeah. Okay. Oh that's yeah. see, that's super cool. Yeah, I did that. All right. And the rest were like sexual stuff, but you're you don't I think you're like <laughs> You're you're on a different path, right? <laughs> no, give me a sexual. I want to hear what's. Well, on the I was going to say like same sex sexual experiences. Like, are you? Is that all? I've stuff had that's that. On? I've oh, had that see, in my twenties. You had yeah. your stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff. I was going to say like threesome with your husband. That I kind of stuff. Not with my husband, but I've had a threesome. I feel like those I've ticked off. All right. Know? Well, so, then yeah. that's good. In the short period after I left my husband and met Mike, <laughs> I had to. You know, I so had, there was. A I had my threesome and I had my same sex experience. All right, good. All right, so tell everyone where they can find you. So um, the book, uh, Fucked at 40, can be found online, Amazon Worldwide. uh, And we'll link to it. Yeah, and in stores. Mm -hmm. And I am on Instagram, Tova underscore Lee, and on Facebook, Tova Lee, my thoughts about stuff. All right. And you're on tour right now. I'm on tour right now. Uh, well, by the time this airs, I wouldn't, I won't be. Oh, you'll be done. Yeah, right, I'll be right. done. I have another show in Israel in April if we get to do that show because with the coronavirus, I don't I know. know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, I'm planning more dates probably in the summer. So, uh, yeah, probably right. come we'll, back in the summer. We'll keep checking Netflix too. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I loved the book. I think it's super relatable. I think it's a really fun gift to get anybody who's turning 40. It's like a really fun, awesome um, book. And I'm definitely going to go and add stuff to my bucket list now. Thank you so much so for having me. thank you for coming. It was super fun. Thank you. All right. <laughs> 